Welcome to Series Learns at Home, hosted by Series Unified School District Superintendent Scott Siegel. This weekly Q&A covers distance learning and other topics related to school closures for the remainder of the 2019-2020 school year. To ask a question for a future episode, email communications at series.k12.ca.us. Now your host, Dr. Scott Siegel. Hello and welcome to episode two of Series Learns at Home. This episode is all about distance learning in the Series Unified School District. What will that look like for the remainder of the school year, implications for next year, and how families can support their students during this time. I'm pleased to welcome my three guests today who helped develop CUSD's distance learning plan. From our educational services team, Dr. Amy Peterman, Assistant Superintendent. Hi, everyone. Paul Rudishauser, Director of Secondary Education. Hello, listeners. And Kirsten Saint, Director of Elementary Education. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So Amy, Paul, Kirsten, what can you tell our listeners about how teachers are providing distance learning beginning this week with our second phase? The goal with our phase two of distance learning was to ensure that students had access to some more structured learning opportunities as their time away from the classroom has increased. This could include new learning that would have been taught during this time, or perhaps a review of learning that had already happened. In addition, we have asked our teachers to share with our students at least one to two lessons per week per subject. We are encouraging them to share digital lessons with our students, but we have also provided paper copies to our K through eight students in addition to having access to the digital learning opportunities. We've also asked teachers to ensure that they're checking in regularly on their students' social-emotional state, and they're doing that through a variety of ways, including reaching out and having Zoom class meetings or scheduling office hours when students can check in with them whenever they're needed. Those check-ins are important and very helpful for kids. I've been seeing a lot of articles about distance learning being inequitable in some areas, with districts struggling to get devices out to kids and making sure that everyone has access to the Internet. Series students have school-issued devices, but what if they don't have internet access at home? How will they communicate with their teachers and access learning materials while schools and even public places that would normally offer Wi-Fi are closed? So we're very fortunate in Series that all of our students have been issued Google Chromebooks and have been using those since the beginning of the year. But we also, upon learning about the impending school closures, we acquired hotspots, internet hotspots, so that we could check those out to students and families who don't have internet access at home. We've distributed those widely across the district. Certainly all of our high school students and families should have those Wi-Fi hotspots. We've offered them also to our K-8 students. So if you don't have a hotspot, please contact somebody at your school site. We do have additional hotspots available and can distribute those to those in need. That's great. So we're not anticipating any issues with students being able to access their work, but what advice do you have for parents and guardians with concerns that their children aren't doing the work, either because they need extra help or for other reasons? How important is it that the students actually do the work? So we all know that the most important thing we do at school is learn, and the job of the teacher and our job as a school district is to prepare our students for their next stage of life. That may be the next grade level, it may be college or career, but whatever it is, we're trying to get students ready for that next step in, in, in their life. So the work your teachers are giving you 
is very, very important for that reason. We do encourage you to do the work, and we encourage you to take that seriously. Now, that said, we also know that this is a time of crisis. If the work that you're doing or the work that you're getting is causing you an undue amount of stress more than it normally would, and you're having trouble keeping up with it, please talk to your teachers, reach out to your learning director or your principal or assistant principal, whoever that person is for you, and talk to them about what's going on. People will work with you. We want to be supportive, but still help you learn and be ready for what comes next after school starts up again and the world starts up again. If we're having trouble right now just because of the situation your family is in, please reach out and we can help with that. Thank you, Paul. That's great advice for students. I'm going to throw the next one to you, Kirsten. What are some other things that parents can do to support their students' learning? Right now, our students are trying to find a sense of structure and normalcy as they adapt to this new learning environment. If at all possible, we would recommend finding a designated learning space for your student within the home. We understand that our parents do not have the deep content knowledge or the understanding of our state standards as deeply as our teachers. Instead, we want our parents to focus on reading with our students, asking them what their teacher is assigning and what they're learning. Look over the work that the students are producing. We understand that questions may arise, so we want parents to offer help to their students as appropriate and as they can but also don't hesitate to reach out to your classroom teacher and ask for guidance and support when that is needed. If you run into problems, contact the teacher, the school, the learning director, just like you would normally during the school year. We also know that there's a lot of information being shared through social media and other platforms, providing resources to parents and educators and students. Please don't become overwhelmed with all of those options. Look at what your need is and look at something that looks fun that you and your student can do together and use those things only. Don't let that add to your stress. As a school district, we are going to be sending out resources periodically over the coming weeks. It's not expected that you do all of what you're shared or everything that your teacher sends you in the form of a resource. Just use what makes sense and what works for you and your family. So basically, don't try to overdo it and don't get overwhelmed with it. Do what you can. And that sounds like good advice. Which brings me to one of the questions that we've heard most frequently and has to do with how students will catch up from missing a quarter of the school year. What can you say to families who are concerned about their students staying on track with their education as we move forward? It's important to remember that your child is not falling behind other kids. Your student isn't in this alone. The entire world is facing this same concern. Know that our ed services department will be working closely with our school sites, our classroom teachers, to ensure that there is a very strategic plan to address these learning gaps as we start the new school year. We want to ensure that any gaps in learning aren't just taught in isolation, but are done so very strategically and connected to the new learning as appropriate. Another frequently asked question is how students' grades will be affected and whether students might be held back as a result of the COVID-19 closures. No student in the Ceres Unified School District will be held back because of the COVID-19 closure. Instead, our classroom teachers will be working very closely together to ensure that those gaps are integrated into the next school year. We will be looking at our intervention programs to see how we can best use those structures to support the gaps in learning as well. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point to make. I also want to address the question of grades specifically. You'll get more information on grades very soon from your school site that'll be coming. But I just want to remind you what we talked about earlier was that the most important part of school is the learning. Grades are just a way to communicate that learning. But I would say this, that if you're focused on learning right now, if you're still preparing yourself for the next grade level and for college and for your career, you're doing the right thing and don't worry about the grades at this point. Thank you, Paul. I do know that our honors students are probably still worrying about their grades, so let's find out what's happening for those advanced placement students. Oh, advanced placement students, that's a good question. There literally has been entire podcasts and webinars already published on this from the College Board. So let me kind of summarize quickly for our series Unified Advanced Placement Students what the plan is. First of all, if you or your student is in an advanced placement class and planning on taking the AP test, you should already be hearing from your school and from your teacher about the plans for this. If you haven't, I encourage you, as soon as this podcast is over, to call your school or send an email to your teacher and ask what the plan is. Advanced placement tests are still happening. They're happening from home. There are, there's a schedule, so there's days in May at specific times where AP students need to be ready to take the test. They're happening online. Most tests are about 45 minutes long and focused on short answer writing questions. There are exceptions to that, such as art or computer science, so talk to your art or computer science teacher if that applies to you. But the tests will be open note, they will be open book, but you still need to know your stuff in order to answer the level of question they want you to answer in the short time frame. You can take these on your Chromebook, or if you're having trouble with your internet connection, you can even write on a piece of paper and upload what you wrote on, through a photo to the AP website. But regardless, you need to check in with your AP teacher or your learning director or assistant principal to help you talk through these things. Our goal in Series Unified is that even though our schools are closed, 100% of our AP students take the AP test this year. Thank you, Paul. That's good information to have. You know, many of our listeners want to know what learning will look like for the rest of the year. We're in Phase 2 of the distance learning right now. Is there a Phase 3 or even a Phase 4? And what would those look like? Yeah, so Phase 3 will look very similar to Phase 2 for students. Teachers are getting into a groove with this process, and students are developing routines and structures, and so we don't want to change anything going into that phase three. Phase three will take us through the end of the year in terms of the instruction for our students, and then we are planning a phase four. Phase four will be all about closing out the year and turning in instructional materials and technology or anything else that we would need to do to wrap up the year. I will also say, believe it or not, we are talking about what we are calling phase five of this process, and that really is all about the transition into next year and ensuring that we in Series Unified have a really good strategic plan for addressing the challenges that this closure period has brought so that all of our students can move forward with their learning next year. Amy, before we get to talking about next year, What about summer school? What do we know so far? So unfortunately, we don't have very many answers at this point. We are waiting for some further instruction in terms of what we are allowed to do uh, when restrictions will be lifted. What we do know, though, is that we are planning to provide additional resources to students and families minimally 
that they can continue using over the summer to continue practicing those skills and those important things that they will need to be able to utilize going into the next phase of their learning, whatever that is. So you can look for resources to come out of the district office sometime prior to summer, regardless of if we have summer school or not. Great information. And I just wanted to add a little bit more for high school also. We are certainly going to do something this summer for credit recovery to make up classes that students may need to make up. So please watch out for that. Also, we're talking about what it would look like if you or your student is currently in a math class and would rather move to the accelerated math track in high school. We're working on what that would look like, and that would probably mean some sort of work this summer from home. So be ready for that and watch for that information. Thank you. Is there anything else that you want to share with listeners before we wrap up this episode? Yeah, I would just like to comment on some of the really creative, innovative ways that teachers are reaching out and connecting with their students. This school closure situation was thrown upon all of us with very little time for planning. And I'm just really incredibly proud of our teaching staff for the ways that they have stayed committed to students and committed to moving learning forward. Uh, And I just want to thank all of our teachers and school sites for their commitment to students during this time. Thank you, Amy, Paul, and Kirsten for answering our questions today and providing those helpful insights about distance learning. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Please remember to send your podcast questions to communications at series.k12.ca.us and join us Thursday, April 30th for Episode 3, Technology, with my guest, Dan Pangrazio.